get back to that video clip in a second, but just want to recap. Uh, it's been a few weeks since we've been uh, in the book of Joshua, and um, the last time I shared with you, we, we had the message, God does impossible things in impossible ways. And we looked at the, 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 the victory that they had at Jericho. And, and so basically this picks up directly after Jericho. In fact, there was something that happened at Jericho that caused the, the, this next story to happen. And, and basically um, it was such a great victory. And as they went into um, Jericho, the walls had tumbled down. They were to, to kill everyone except for Rahab and to not take anything for themselves. Um, the gold, the silver, the things of value were meant to be taken because they were dedicated to God. That was, that was a real thing. We see this in Joshua 6, 18 and 19. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold, the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. It's pretty straight simple. God passed on that instruction to Joshua. Joshua passed it on. And you would think that that would be pretty easy to follow. Like, but what we see happen is Achan, know the story of Achan, he basically took something that didn't belong to him, something that was dedicated to God. And today we're going to be talking about sin. And sin is one of these things that it's really important to, to work that into our understanding of who God is. Because if we don't really take sin seriously, then we actually don't take, we don't need God as much. If sin is not a big problem in the world and maybe in our lives at times, the fact that Jesus went to the cross, wasn't that not that significant? Because that was the only reason he went to the cross was to save us from our sin that we could not save ourselves from. See, sin will take you farther than you, than you planned on going. Sin will keep you longer than you planned on staying. And sin will cost you more than you plan, plan, planned on paying. Sin has this ability to, to do damage in your life. And we, I think what the, we get to the point where we become comfortable with the sin that's there. Like, yeah, we, those top ten ones that are in the Exodus, those ten commandments, yeah, we, we're pretty good with those. Some of those we even break. But we go, oh, the big one, I don't murder anyone. Um, maybe feel like murdering my kids sometimes. But that's okay. I, don't, I haven't done it at any time. Um, but the thing is, we sort of have this, I suppose, comfortable, casual relationship with sin at times in our lives. And we're jumping into the, the passage from today, looking at Joshua 7 verse 1. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. It's interesting, just pausing there, that it wasn't, it wasn't one individual, it was Israel Israel violated the instructions about the things that set apart. And so straight away this talks about what we're going to be covering today when we've got sin in the camp, how it affects us as the community of God. Because sometimes when we look at sin, and this is very much a Western brain thing, we think about what I do and, and as I'm in control of that and God forgives me and, and that's it. And there is a part of that, but the thing is, since our relationship with God brings us into community with other people who have a relationship with God, then when we allow sin to exist in our community, when we allow sin to bubble below the surface, all of a sudden it has to have an impact because it destroys connection with God and will destroy connection with each other. And so it says straight, straight away, but Israel violated the instructions. 
A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things. So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. So as I was saying, sin affects community. The tragedy of Achan demonstrates that when one of God's people sins, it affects the entire community. Achan was not only the one who felt the ripple effects of his rebellion against God's clear instructions. It affected his wife, his family, and all of Israel. And so in the same way, when anyone in church harbors, harbors secret sin or, and rebellion, it affects the entire community. And the tough thing about secret sin is that other people may not know about it. Like, we, people might know that you're struggling with greed or pride or lust. Those things sort of stay down deep. And we kind of like sort of shove them all the way down so we, don't, we can keep them under control. But we don't do what God really wants us to do. As the story unfolds, they move on to the next city. So they've gone from Jericho and with great confidence, they've actually gone up to Ai. And they probably had too much confidence. If you look at every other situation that's happened so far in Joshua, Joshua has been clearly led by God what to do next. And so this time he sends out two spies. They come back and say, it's not that big a deal. It's, it's, this is not, we're not going to need everyone. Let's just send up 3,000. So Joshua, again, maybe with a little bit of pride, has that gone, we don't, we've, we're okay. We don't need God to, to sort of show us what we're doing here. And because and it wasn't as big or a difficult task. And so we see that in, in um, um, chapter 7, verse 2. There is no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack I. Now, who won the battle of Jericho? God. Yeah, they, they remember, it was a, God did something impossible in an impossible way. They had a marching band walk around for, for seven days and on the seventh day, seven times, and the walls just crumbled down. And they walked in there and, and they, so it was God's victory. Straight away you hear this is a, they're planning for a human victory. We don't need as many men. We don't need to seek God out. We've got this God. We're going to just, you just take a break for this one. But Joshua, and I wonder if you, if Joshua had actually sought out God at this point in time, Joshua, God might have said to Joshua, God, Joshua, you've had someone sin in the camp of Israel. My protection is not upon your nation at the moment. You need to do something about it. Whether something would have happened before then. But with no consulting and confidence in themselves, they basically go up to I and while they're doing that, they, they are routed, they are run off. And 36 men die. And now what happens? The army is afraid. So... Let's just track it back. They've, they've been in the wilderness, come out of the wilderness, and God has put the clear vision in front of them. They said, Josh, we're going to follow you as we followed Moses, as long as you walk with God. They've crossed the Jordan River, which was a great miracle. They've come to Jericho and done amazing things there. And all of a sudden, they're afraid of what God, or afraid that they're going to be victims and they are now vulnerable to all the surrounding nations that they find themselves in. And so Joshua, basically what he does, he, he and the elders of Israel, they tore their clothes, they, they threw their heads, dust on their heads, they were mourning basically for a whole day as they sought out God. And then Joshua cries out, he said something like this, he says, Oh, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're only going to let the Amorites kill us? God, why bother bringing us here if, if you're going to just let us sort of fade away? 
And then Joshua said, for when the Canaanites and all the other people living in this land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will become the honour of your great name? So Joshua's basically saying, God, if, if we are lost, if we are destroyed, all of a sudden people won't respect you as God. Now, again, Joshua is unaware of the sin that's in the camp. He, for some reason, thinks God is kind of, what, what's happening here, God? Why did your protection fail? Why didn't we win there? And I, I suppose that this is the thing we've got to ask ourselves. Because even when we read through a Bible story, and, you, and you, we get this a little bit later, we see what Achan took, we kind of ask the question, is sin that big of a deal? Because when you think about it, Achan stole a few things and he, he hit him in his tent. The thing is, like, is that much different to us sort of fudging the figures on the taxes a bit or lying about something at, in your workplace a little bit or, or, or whatever else or, or just, like, taking food out of the fridge when you, you're living with housemates and go, I'm going to take that for myself. I don't know who took it. It doesn't seem that big a deal. But the problem is, when we understand it that way, we actually get an apathy to sin. It's, it's very easy to tolerate in our life when we kind of go, it's not that big a deal. So, it's, yeah, God can, can forgive me anytime I need to. I'm still a pretty good person. I'm still kind of walking with God. Or we get to the point where we redefine sin. In the past decades in our nation, in the world, sin has been changed. There are certain things that God says, these are against my law, which now our human law says is okay. And the thing is, like, that we get this, we try and do that in our own lives with different things. I wasn't, I wasn't lying about that. I was just protecting someone. I didn't want to hurt their feelings. Or, or, or it wasn't, this wasn't a big thing, like, um, um, a big deal that I, I did. I was just, I was just trying to do this. Or, or even, and I've heard this from probably both husbands and wives who have cheated on their partners and they've gone, but I've really, I've loved this other person. Love is a good thing, isn't it? So it should be okay. So we redefine sin and make it to, to be okay in our lives. Another thing we do when we think sin's not a big deal, to justify our sin, we look around us and go, well, at least it's not, I'm not as bad as them. Okay, don't look around at anyone in particular. Don't, don't sort of do that right now. You'll get caught. But the thing is, like, okay, if, if, I, if I was like them, yeah, I really need to be sort of owning my sin, but I've, that my sin doesn't come up anywhere close to that, so I'm good with God. And what we do, we get to a point where we tolerate sin in our lives. It's only a little sin. It's only a little bit of sin in our lives. But how much dog poop is okay in a brownie? How much poison is okay in your water? Because the thing is, when you look at Romans, it says the wages of sin is death. That's, that's what happens with sin in our life. And we are all born with our sin nature. We all sin in our own way. We all need the grace and forgiveness of God. But when we allow sin to go on in our lives without addressing it, without focusing and trying to commit that to God and let God remove that from us, we are basically saying it's okay to have dog poop in your brownies. We are, it's okay for me to have a little bit of sin because at least it's not as bad as that person or it's not that bad of a sin to begin with. But when we look at, go back to this passage, we go down to verse 11, 
what we see is this is why it was such an important thing to God. In verse 11, Israel had sinned and had broken my covenant. This is God speaking. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded to be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. God says, you have broken my covenant. That, that, that agreement that I made with you, that I would do these things for you if you followed my law. And, and that covenant was made over and over again. In fact, we, a few weeks ago when we, we looked at um, when they, all the men were circumcised, that was a time that they reinitiated that covenant with God. It wasn't that long ago. And here they are, all of a sudden, Israel has broken the covenant. Verse 12 then goes, That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now, Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless that sin, that habitual sin that you allow to continue in our church is removed. And that's, that's the problem with sin, is that sin takes us away from God's presence. That's what it does. And, and the thing is, no matter how hard you justify it, how hard you redefine it, how hard you compare yourselves to others, if you allow sin to continue in your life, you cannot maintain a close walk with God. And the more that you let it slip into your life and, and to grow in your life, the greater the distance between you and God you will have. Because what we need to realise is that our sin can't be hidden. In, in um, chapter 7, verse 13, it says, um, God again speaking to uh, Joshua, said, Get up, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, Hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never um, defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. The first thing God says to tell the people, they need to purify themselves. Why? Because God is a holy God. If he maintains a relationship with people, it's because they are a holy people. And so we need to right ourselves. And for us, that means that we are called to be holy people as well. And in that, we have the grace of God. We have the forgiveness of God to actually say, God, this is what I've done. Please take away the penalty. Please take away that desire for that and remove it from my life. Please forgive me of that and restore that relationship. And a holy community means a community in full relationship with God. But going back to this idea that you, you can't, our sin can't be hidden, that's our, that's our nature. Our human nature is to hide and conceal. Like for those who have had kids growing up, go, go clean your bedrooms. If you've got space under your bed, that's where stuff would get pushed. Let's get it all under there and, and I'll finish my room real quickly. Until the point in time when there's, there's things that are growing under that bed. Like, and you go, well, that's, that's not healthy. That's not going to come out of the carpet. Maybe you, you hide something you've done by telling that little lie. And we, we see that through characters in the Bible. We see David lie just about a few little things and all of a sudden it becomes a major problem. We see other characters lie and, and all of a sudden it puts them in this place where they're trying to hide the things that they have done wrong. 
But human nature is to hide and conceal. But this verse makes it very clear that the hidden things are not hidden to God and that you will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. We can never overcome in this world until we remove the hidden things that God doesn't want in our lives. Our church cannot be the, become the church God wants us to be if we have a casual and tolerant relationship with sin in our lives. Joshua 7.19, and it says, Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to God, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Make your confession. Don't hide it from me. And then Achan went on to explain in verse 20. Achan replied, It is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the, among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon. 200 silver coins and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. Why did Achan do it? I wanted it. But I want it. I want it. And all of a sudden, this becomes the driving force behind our sin more often than not. Right back in the beginning, the serpent convinced Eve that she wanted that piece of fruit. I want it. I want it more than following God. I want that. And here we have Achan, basically, he's found a bit of money and, a, and a, um, some clothing. And what does he do? Bury it. I don't know how he was, thought he was going to use it, when it was going to come out. But all of a sudden he says, I want it. In the movie Guardians of the Galaxy, for those who are aware of any Marvel movies, they've got little um, a rocket raccoon who, at the end of the first movie, they've had their records cleared because they've been, even though they've saved the universe, they're criminals as well. And they've had their records cleaned. And, and he goes up saying, what happens if I see something that I really want that belongs to something else? Can I take it? No, but that's stealing. But I really, really want it. I want it more than they do. That would be okay, wouldn't it? And the thing is, as much as it's funny watching that, that actually works out its way in the world. People say, I want this more than I think they do, and so I should have that. And all of a sudden, we, we let desire grow in our lives for whatever that is. We might have work longer hours so we can get more things. We may sort of let our eyes wander and we, we may look at, at the people around our lives and go, I wonder what would happen if. And we actually create the desire of that. Achan's actual stealing of those items was but the culmination of a process of sin and was seen from his own words. Through his acts in verse 20 and 21, you see his movement towards the way of iniquity and punishment. This is what happened. I saw, I desired, I took, and I hid. This is what Achan did in this situation. As he looked at it, even though he knew they were dedicated to God, he says, oh, and this is where his thinking was. It's not that big a deal. God's getting everyone, giving everything else. I'll just take a little bit for myself. It's not that big a deal. And sadly, the, the, the sad thing about this story is that if you jump ahead to chapter 8, verse 27, um, so after they finally did conquer Ai, um, you, only the livestock and the treasures of the town were not to be destroyed. For the Israelites kept these as plunder for themselves as the Lord had commanded Joshua. One more city, and 
Achan would have been able to take the things that he wanted and it would have been blessed by God. And so again, we get ahead of God sometimes. There might be things that I want right now that God says, wait. And all of a sudden we make bad decisions. And we, and you see, again, people sort of try and fill those gaps in their lives with the things that they desire. We can sin by wanting, desiring, pursuing something that God doesn't want for us yet. So there was sin in the camp. And in the end, it actually had quite a devastating fact. 36 men died in the first battle, and then Achan's family was lost as punishment for his sin. So where to from here? Is God calling us as a church to be a perfect community? No. But we need to be a community that is disgusted with the presence of sin, but not disgusted with people that come in. It's, it's a very sort of, we need to be disgusted with the sin in our own lives. Because if, if we've got a casual relationship with it, all of a sudden what happens is that we, we, don't, we dress it up. We make it look good. We need to be in a place where the pursuit of God's holiness, rather than, rather than be willing to abuse God's grace and tolerate our sin. Have you ever sort of had a car that's like some milk is spilt out of a milk bottle on the, in the carpet of your car? And, and you, don't, you may not even know it. It, might have to, it only has to be a little bit of milk or the kids have spilt like a chocolate milk in the back and you, you don't know about it and, and all of a sudden you come back a few days, the car's been hot and it just smells sour and off. And, and the thing is, you can until you find where it is exactly, all you can do is spray stuff to cover up the smell of the sin. It's like people that smoke. When I was in high school, people would smoke and at, in, in the, at different places around the school and they'd come in the class and they'd use a can of deodorant to cover up the smell, which actually it made it more uh, uh, sort of aware that, oh, that person's been smoking because it was like, well, there's multiple smells coming off you. The thing is, when we sort of tolerate sin, it's like spraying deodorant over nicotine smell or spraying air freshener over spilt milk in your car it doesn't get rid of it and so we actually have to have a desire to pursue God's holiness for us so the first thing we need to do is we need to examine our own heart it it, it needs to be done we need to be able to pray before God and say God show me any wicked way in me so the thing is, we're easy at saying, oh God, I, I can tell a few other people what their wicked ways are. I know what they've done, I know what they've done, I've and, and point out others. But the thing is, God wants us to reflect on our own lives, to reflect on the hidden sins in ourselves that we will give account for on Judgment Day. Then God wants us to confess those, to agree with God that what our God has to say about sin, to say, God, I agree with you, that this thing that I've done is abhorrent to your heart. This thing that I've done, it, it, it makes you sort of angry at me and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be able to walk faithfully with you and I confess that to you. The third one is to repent, to turn from your wicked ways, to actually turn away from the things that were taking you to, away from God. That's what repent means. It means to do a 180, to go in a different direction to what you had been going. And then... We need to resolve that we are not going back to them again. That idea of, of that 
having making that choice to say, God, I'm going to choose God's way as much as I can, every step. I'm not going to go back into those regular sins, those sins that like just I allow into my life. Yeah, there's going to be things that you do. There's going to be moments you get angry. There's going to be moments you might get a little greedy. But again, if we are walking closely with God, God will show us those areas. And, and if we are choosing to follow God, we will confess them quickly and we'll get ourselves back on track with him. Because what we see in, in Proverbs 28:13, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And I, I think the challenge here, as I've been reading through this, is again, yeah, we need to look at our own sin. But the thing is, we also want to be a holy community, a community that is walking in step with God. And so, if I am walking in sin. That's going to, that will affect your relationship with God. And vice versa. And so this is not to sort of be judgmental and be looking down at everyone and sort of trying to catch up people when they're doing wrong. But it is making a choice to say, we want to walk in a holy way with a holy God. To be protected by Him, to be empowered by Him, to be um, moved by Him in whichever direction He wants to go. And most of all, to know the mercy of God. We don't want to live in a way where we allow sin in the camp. And so that's my challenge of you this week. Not a very big one. Go home and pray. God, show me any wicked way in me. And then stop and listen. And the thing is, some of it's going to be like, you may not even realise, and you go, oh, I'm sorry, God, I hadn't really done that. Some of it you may need to go further. You might need to ring someone up and say, hey, I realise I've done this to you. I need to ask you for forgiveness. And to make that relationship right. It might be things that you need to, to spend a bit more time with God, praying through and working out those things. But let God show you the areas. Let's not be like Joshua, how he didn't consult God. Let's consult God to make ourselves right with him. So each one of us, as, a, as coming together as God's community, will be able to walk holy together. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you um, that you are a gracious God. A God who calls us to follow you. But you are also a holy God. Sin is, sin is disgusting to you. And this is why you, you turned your back on Jesus on the cross. Because all the sins of the world were placed upon him. And understanding that, Lord, I pray that we would not go... We would not willingly sort of entertain sin around us. That we would address it. That we would remove those hidden things in our lives and be able to be pure before you. I pray for us as a church, Lord, that we would be ready to to confess our sins one to another, not in a form of judgment, but also to to find forgiveness amongst ourselves. For those who come into this place, they know that, hey, to confess sins is the first step to finding forgiveness and mercy with God. And so, Lord, I pray for us as a church that there is nothing hidden, nothing secret that is going to prevent us from walking well with you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would convict each one of us today and, and you would show us those areas that we need to let you come in and clean in our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen.